Creativo Raíces presenta su programa Espejos de Aztlán Información, Arte, Cultura Bienvenidos Espejos de Aztlán will honor Dr. Mary Lucy Jaramillo's life and contributions to New Mexico, our nation, and the world. A native of Las Vegas, New Mexico, who advocated for civil rights, becomes the first Latina to hold a United States ambassadorship. Throughout her career as a teacher, scholar, community leader, and writer, she focused on education, bilingualism, and Latinas' rights. Her tireless efforts left a legacy of essays, awards, photographs, and books that are now housed at the National Hispanic Cultural Center. We'll speak with three women who knew her from different points of views. Dr. Cecilia Navarrete, who studied under Dr. Jaramillo at the University of New Mexico as an undergraduate. She was also a member of the U.S. Ambassador Mary Lucy Jaramillo Endowed Scholarship Committee at the University of New Mexico and co-authored her coming-of-age memoir, Sacred Seeds, A Girl, Her Abuelos, and the Heart of Northern New Mexico. Veronica Sanchez, former president and current member of the New Mexico Hispanic Women's Council, to which Dr. Jaramillo was a contributing member. Additionally, Veronica's father worked with Mary Lucy at the University of New Mexico Cultural Awareness Center. And Anna Uremovich, she'll share her experience as the National Hispanic Cultural Center's archivist, who is making accessible the Ambassador Mary Lucy Jaramillo collection at the center. For Espejos de Slant today, Cristina Bachi. Mary Lucy began at the bottom of the economic ladder, and by extraordinary feats of persistence, endurance, and application, rose to become the Honorable Madam Ambassador. Hers, more than any of the others, is the ultimate American success story, for she had the longest to climb and had to th strive every inch of the way. Now let me start at the beginning of her life. Mari Lucy Antuna Ruiz was born in the village of Las Vegas, New Mexico, in 1928 to a mother who was a descendant of the Spanish settlers of northern New Mexico and to a father who immigrated from Mexico to Las Vegas to practice his trade as a shoemaker and musician. Being born during the Great Depression of our country, Mari Lucy lived in poverty and what she describes as an uneasy family life. Her father was seldom home, but instilled in his children pride for his Mexican ancestry and language. Her mother, like most Hispanas of that day, stayed to take care of her children in whatever way she could, including bartering for food and clothing in exchange for washing and sewing for other people. Despite the family situation, Mari Lucy's mamita constantly reminded her children that education would be the ticket out of poverty and would free them from being dependent from anyone. 
Also during her young life, Marie Lucy was supported by her grandparents, who lived in a ranchito just north of uh, Las Vegas. This is the place, the ranchito, where Marie Lucy describes where the doors of learning were opened to her by her grandparents. And it was done through the everyday practices of their Hispanic faith, the language, the traditions, and the empathy for their community of comadres y compadres. Welcome to our show, Dr. Cecilia Navarrete, Anna Uremovich, and Veronica Sanchez. I'm very happy to have such an amazing panel today in this conversation in which we are actually celebrating the life of Marie Lucy Jaramillo, also like remembering her and appreciating everything she has done. But especially we want to share with our listeners the value of such a woman. Let's begin to portray something about her. You, All of you know her from different perspectives, and I would like to share with our listeners some personal stories that can portray Mary Lucy, Mary Lucy Jaramillo uh, in person. How about you, Cecilia? How, what do you remember? Uh, how did you meet her and uh, when you were young? And, uh, well, we are, we're all young, I know. <laughs> <laughs> young at heart. <laughs> what do you remember? What really impacted your life by knowing her? Well, I met Dr. Jaramillo during her bilingual advocacy days and civil rights activism days. I was an undergraduate at the, here at the University of New Mexico. It was in the late 60s and early 70s. I was aware of the efforts then of Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta and Martin Luther King Jr. And these people and the events of the time they stirred me to a real unrest. Hmm. But I had no idea what to do with my feelings. You know, I was just a young undergraduate. And uh, only thing I, I did was, in those days, was attend protest demonstrations and make silkscreen posters with Veronica Sanchez here for, yes. Re, for Reyes Tijarina during our yes. days in the Chicano Study Center. <laughs> All that changed when I went to a meeting where Dr. Jaramillo was speaking. She was actively involved in civil rights movement at the time and speaking on campus about the need for cultural awareness, bilingual education, and multicultural education. It was her talk that motivated me to major in education with a, and later acquire a minor in bilingual education because at that time there were no majors uh, in bilingual ed. Well, Marie Lucy later became my advisor and uh, the person who inspired me to pursue a professional career, as we called ourselves then, Chicanas. Of course, later turns to Hispanics, and now we're Latinas. But um, <laughs> I was not what you would call a standout student. So when I'd have problems with my grades or with a faculty member, she would gently remind me to not shy away from new learning or professional opportunities. She would say, mija, we need more professional Hispanic women to make a difference for others. Don't give up. And then she would ask how she could help. And she would. She stepped in whenever I needed her. And I have to tell you that growing up in a large, poor Hispanic family, I never had anyone speak to me this way. 
I wasn't even expected to go to college. And if it was not for Mari Lucy, I would not have felt empowered to continue my education and focus my career on doing what Mari Lucy motivated me to do. And that was to make a difference for those less fortunate than myself. I owe her my career. Well, Mary Lucy Jaramillo is a model in many, many ways. We are thinking about her to continue to be a model and to multiply her, and she's multiplying herself in you as well. Can we share some other of your stories? Uh, Anna Uremovic, uh, I think you have been in touch with her by being uh, the history archivi archivist in the National Hispanic Cultural Center. But through that, you were able to share some stories. How about uh, her character, something that... Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, it's not common for an archivist to get to work with the people that uh, is the body of the collection. So when Mari Lucy said she would be more than happy to come and help me process her collection, I immediately jumped to the opportunity. So we would spend many days sitting, looking at numerous correspondence, biographical material, her speeches, but mostly we would look at a lot of the photography because I needed her to tell me what was happening in that photograph. And one of the most um, poignant stories that still stays with me is she was ambassador, as we know, in Honduras from 77 to 1980. And oftentimes her activities were of more genteel diplomatic nature. So she visited many cities and towns, um, had many, many events, evening receptions, things like that. But as she became more certain of herself as ambassador, she also took on some um, interesting projects. She decided she wanted to go to the mines. Honduras had a thriving mining Uh, enterprise going, and she announced and made her arrangements that she was coming. And she assumed, as the strong woman, the Latina that she is, that she was going to be in the mines. There was no point in just coming and shaking hands. She wanted to see what it was all about. And there was a bustle as she was telling me the story of all men. She's the only woman there. And they're like, but you can't go down the mine. And she's like, why can't I go down the mine? <laughs> and they're like, because you're a woman. And she's like, I'm the ambassador. I wish to go down the mine. And then they're like, well, maybe we can arrange it if your husband wishes to go with you down the mine. And she, again, very gently, but very firmly, let them know that she was going down the mine and they needed to find the appropriate clothing for her in her size. And lo and behold, they did because that was the picture that we were looking at. There she was standing true and tall with all of these men right before she went down. She's got the helmet on with the light and all of it. I, I just thought that is a wonderfully poignant expression of her gentle, professional, but personal way that she was with everyone. Yes, this is gentleness and power at the same time in a woman's hand. How about this definition we usually as women here are going through? Like you were laughing and I laugh with you. We are Latina, Chicana. Sometimes even that this eye is changing again. So <laughs> after a while I thought, oh, finally I have the eye. Ah, I am Latina. And then again is somebody's getting rid of that. I'm Hispanic and Chicana. And you, Veronica, 
Andres Sanchez as being president, a former president of New Mexico Hispanic Women's Council and current member of that. You know lots of stories around it. Let's share this story you have you uh, about Mary Lucy Jaramillo that you remember and you value of her. I'd like to say, first of all, that Mary Lucy has was always a name in my household because my parents attended New Mexico Highlands University, as she did. And there was a whole, I'm going to say a cadre of people that came from that university from the um, uh, late 40s and early 50s who became educators throughout the state, public servants, and who've made a great difference in our state. And Mari Lucy is certainly the, probably the stellar one to come from that era because it was a small group of people and she was always a name. And, And later she worked at the Cultural Awareness Center at UNM where my father worked, and so I knew about some of her work. So she's always been there, but I didn't really get to know her until the last couple of years. She'd been a member of uh, the Hispanic Women's Council since 1999. Hispanic Women's Council is an organization founded in 1988 to promote and create opportunities for Hispanic women. Marilucy, I think that the thing that I know best about that is we have a habit in our uh, organizational events of having everyone introduce themselves so that we have a sense of the people in the in the group and many women who have superseded who've really surpassed expectations for them. Marie Lucy never would never introduce herself appropriately until we started prodding her to really let people know who she was, and what she'd done, because it was really important, especially for younger members of the group and young scholarship recipients that, that we knew. So so she finally did that. I, she had she also shared very many funny things, but I they're a little bit off. They're not off color, but they're not appropriate necessarily to repeat on the radio <laughs> uh, comments among women. And um, <laughs> um, she loved to comadrear spend time with her comadres. There probably, in this period of her life, was nothing, I'm not going to say that, it was very, very important to her to spend time visiting with people, sharing stories, speaking New Mexican Spanish, code switching, even though she was any environment that she was in, she spoke the language of the moment. She could speak a beautiful Mexican Spanish, a beautiful Latin American Spanish, a Castilian Spanish, and the New Mexican code switch Spanish. She missed that if she was away from it and couldn't use it. And she loved to eat. Ricoles y chile y tortillas. <laughs> I think that's the a great woman of immense humility. I would like now to share with our listeners a story read by our own uh, Mary Lucy Jaramillo, uh, by her own voice, trying to figure out what ignited all this power and all this strength. I want to share from my newest book, Sacred Seeds, just a little about my nanitas, that's my grandmother's strong, strong faith. She had this deep, deep belief that praying would bring any miracle that she wanted. And she had this power in her, even though she was a tiny little woman, to make everybody around her believe all the neighbors would follow her with whatever she decided. I've included a chapter called Nanita's Miracles, and it's closely based to her beliefs. And I'm going to read just a tiny little excerpt to give you an idea of my Nanita. 
we sometimes expected short but severe weather storms of lots of cloud, loud clapping and rolling thunder along with bright, sometimes eerie lightning. Such a storm often brought large-sized hail, which destroyed the crops that were stressed from the lack of steady rain. One afternoon, we heard a roaring thunderclap very close by and saw the heavens open up with lightning streaks. Nanita got into her mode of praying and quickly told us to pull out our rosaries. Sack and su rosario, she said. Nanita believed our rosaries would protect us from all the impending evil the clouds would bring. Praying loudly, she quickly went to the kitchen and took out a box of salt. Picking up her pace, she ran to the edge of the porch and started throwing fistfuls of the salt into the sky in the form of large, large crosses. At the same time, she loudly prayed, Santo Niño, ayúdanos, que no nos va a hacer mal tanta lluvia. Necesitamos lluvia, pero no tanta. Ayúdanos, Tatita Dios, ayúdanos. She wanted help but from little Jesus, but she also knew not to ask for too much rain. We are on Espejos de Aztlán today. We are honoring the life and legacy of Dr. Mary Lucy Jaramillo, a native from Las Vegas, New Mexico, who became the first Latina to hold a United States ambassadorship. Let's continue to listen to this conversation with Dr. Cecilia Navarrete, Veronica Sanchez, and Anna Uremovich. For Espejos de Aslan today, Cristina Bachin. The fact of being um, Hispanic women and about that uh, you were you had something about uh, that she was able to speak about in the 80s which actually really put this in a different frame of her uh, let's say kind of avant-garde of way of thinking about women i think it's important to understand that again Mari lucy in the 1970s at the age of 42, completes her Ph.D. in curriculum and instruction with a minor in Latin American studies. And her interest comes because prior to that, she had been working at the university teaching uh, Latin American graduate students in Spanish, which really helped to embrace and verify the pride she had in her own culture and in the Spanish language. So she, at that point, when she gets her Ph.D., the civil rights movement is in full swing. She joins that group, and she, when she's very active, going across the country speaking, gets that national notoriety, becomes an ambassador to Honduras because of all her publications and her speeches, just the tone of how she was reaching out and promoting democratic values across the country. So let's remind our listener that she was the first Latina, Hispanic. <laughs> first uh, Latina ambassador. ambassador. And so she spends that the end of the 80s, 
uh, excuse me, the end of the 70s as the ambassador and, and also works in the State Department for a number of years dealing with Latin American affairs under Jimmy Carter, our president at that time. And then come the 80s. And she, where you think, you know, her life, now she's in her 50s. And so you think she might want to slow down, but her <laughs> career soars. She's so well known. She's so accomplished. And she has the opportunity at that point uh, to do and speak on any issue she wants. She's she's invited everywhere. I mean, she she gives almost over a hundred presentations across the country. And what does she pick? She picks the issues not only just bilingual ed because that's what she was dealing with in the seventies and on issues of equity. She begins focusing on the role of. Hispanic or Latinx women in education and in international relations, that their roles would be vital in that in that period. And so a couple of things that I was able to, in, in fact, that are available in her archive, she, um, she starts speaking specifically. She's invited in 1980 to speak to the fourth conference of MANA, the Mexican-American Women's National Association. They were established in 1974. Their commitment was to uh, promote the social, educational, and economic advancement of Hispanic women. So they invite her to speak in 1980. And she there she counsels the women on maintaining a support system. Their family, which is very important culturally, other women, uh, counseling them to recognize each other, acknowledge each other, and create a network of strong Hispanic, Chicana, Latina women. <laughs> and, also, and, and also include our greater Chicano community. She also counsels them on remaining true to, them, to ourselves, to themselves, to ourselves, understanding always that this would necessarily involve different choices for different individuals. There are many of us who've um, struggled with home family responsibilities while trying to complete an education or fulfill career responsibilities. And different women, different Chicanas, Latinas are going to respond to that differently. That's okay as long as each is true to herself. So she does that. And then in 1987, she gives a talk or a paper to the Tomas, for the Tomas Rivera Center. And the title is To Serve Hispanic American Female Students, Challenges and Responsibilities for educational institutions. And here, she's addressing structural inequities. Her approach to the problem is challenging the lens through which evaluations were made. Rather than focusing, for instance, on high dropout rates and low performance levels for women, instead, we should approach this from the institutional low retention rate and inadequate instructional socialization practices. What responsibilities does the individual have for supporting and retaining? And um, she quotes a scholar, a man named Murray Edelman. The quote is, how the problem is named involves alternative scenarios, each with its own facts, values, judgments, and emotions. I believe this is a consistent theme for her. Point of view, cultural sensitivity, listening, and observing. 1990, she received the MANA, Mexican-American National Women's Association, Primera Award. She was one of about five women who received the award at that time, and she was honored for her vision, commitment, and service. Um, and I want to, in a published statement that acknowledged this award for her, she was quoted, and so she, you know, acknowledged the honor, but 
she took, um, she used her platform to shine a light on inequity. She says, I'm also very sad because it has taken our country so, this is 1990, our, take, our country so long to recognize the many contributions of Hispanic women. By 1977, we should have been beyond appointing the first Hispanic ambassador, for we have the qualifications, the education, the cultural understanding, and the skills. There were so many talented Hispanic women before me that should have filled similar positions. So she's continually driving that message home. Uh, going to ask you about uh, how did you convince her to write uh, this book and we, if we can share that story because uh, we are talking about her also this humble side, uh, side I would say central uh, part of her personality. She was strong at the same time, very humble. We are very accustomed that we are in a culture that people have to like uh, have kind of grandiosity feature, peculiarity to be a leader. And that was not her characteristic. How did you persuade Mary Lucy Jaramillo to work with this with you about this book, Sacred Seeds, her last, I think it's, it's her last publication, I guess. Right. Uh, it was published in uh, uh, July 2019. I, I joined a, the committee to help establish the Mary Lucy Jaramillo Endowed Scholarship and uh, after one of the meetings, she takes me by the arm and asks me to walk her to her car. That she had something to ask me, and I'm thinking, "Oh gosh, I wonder what what did I do wrong?" Because that's you know, that's <laughs> a student. <laughs> but she she ends up wanting to know if I would help her plan her funeral. And I have to say that I was uh, initially shocked and thinking, "What's wrong? What's wrong with you?" And at that time, she didn't know she had this debilitating disease. But she just says, "Oh, Cecilia, I just I need help. I don't want to burden my husband. I don't or my children." with the Catholic services that I want planned for my funeral, for my, you know, when I die. And, uh, well, she's so charming. How do you say no to this <laughs> incredible woman? And so I, I accepted and I helped her. And I'd meet with her, uh, start on a weekly basis. And as I went to her apartment, she pulls out a box. And she goes, you know what I have in here? And I, of course, well, I don't know. And she says, I have stories of my childhood. I've been, since I got back as an ambassador, I just, these stories, she says, were just in my mind, and I had to write them. So she had all these pages of stories, and I, when I thought about it, I thought, ooh, I said, oh, let me read them. So I took them home, I read them, and I knew we had something really special. And I said, Marty Lucy, when I saw her next, how about we write a book? She goes, oh, I don't know, I... And I said, Mari Lucy, let's write the book, and with all the proceeds going to the scholarship. And she goes, what a great idea. Let's do it. And that was the beginning. So I helped. We sorted through the book. We made sure we included the northern New Mexican Spanish. We uh, just just embellished wherever, you know, because she had just written these down. We embellished wherever we needed more detail. And we end up writing about her experiences through the eyes of a child, uh, her experiences at the ranchito with her grandparents, the sacred seeds that she ends up uh, acquiring, about the interactions with the 
community in the ranchito and the games, the dances, the, the key things that she learned from her grandparents. And, and we also included the photos and uh, profiles of the key people in her life. And so and that's how Sacred Seeds came to be. I would like to ask you, do you think that uh, Mary Lucy Jaramillo is enough recognized by New Mexico? I think there's room for a greater recognition. There was an opinion piece in the Albuquerque Journal, December, a month after she passed away. It's It said a couple of quotes. She proved over and over again that a sense of purpose, an embrace of hard work, and a commitment to education together had the power to turn a girl from a poor working-class family into a change-maker whose influence is still felt around the world today. This is the important. Her legacy is and should be more than even those well-deserved accolades. New Mexicans should remember Jaramillo's name, the lessons she taught, and the example she set. Yes, uh, I think we need to do more. I know Mari Lucy had dreams of having a school named after her mm -hmm. as one of those memories. Uh, she would like to have in a curriculum created from Sacred Seeds for children. She w wished her book would be accepted by the public schools for children to read for inspiration and knowing they too could be whatever they want in life. So I think there is a whole lot more we can do. We would look forward to hearing from folks if they have other ideas and are willing to help to move this memory of her forward. I hope our listeners are listening to you. And uh, Anna Uremovich, if someone would like to, uh, would be interested to to go and uh, go to the archives, how can they reach uh, the the material you have? Or Absolutely. I, I would like to add that um, her legacy is in so many people, but it is also our great joy and pleasure at the National Hispanic Cultural Center to have her embodied in her own collection. These are her own words, her own photos, her own writings. Even though she has left us, a large part of her is still there. The collection is available by appointment. You are more than welcome to either call me directly at 505-383-4706 and arrange an appointment. Or if you would like to look at the sort of items that are in this sizable collection, our finding aid to the collection is located on the Rocky Mountain Online Archive. I want to thank you, you all for sharing these stories about Mary Lucy Jaramillo. I appreciate also, even though it can be emotional uh, all the time and all the stories uh, we are sharing with our listeners. Uh, thank you so much for sharing this with Espejos Eslan. Gracias, Cristina. Thank you, Cristina. Thank you. Thank you.